Good morning. Um, my name is Bates, and yo, it's a privilege to preach uh, God's Word, and His Word is so sustaining, and it's just done something really special in my heart this week. So I want to pray, and then we're going um, to get into the Word, and I trust it would do something special in your hearts this morning as we share as well. Thank you, Father, for your love and your goodness, and thank you that your Word is alive. There's no other book, Lord, uh, ink printed on paper that is alive and active and able to change lives forever. Thank you for your word to us and your presence here with us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, guys. So I'm going to be continuing this morning on kind of our informal series around Christian community. Paulo's preached, I think, two on it. I preached on adoption just the other week. And we're going to be uh, sharing around this thing called communion. Um, now, as I say that, you might um, be tempted to switch off <laughs> because the thing that's happened with uh, communion over the time and with anything that we practice regularly is that we start to become familiar um, so let's think of an example in your own mind. Think of something now. Is there anything that you see every day that you kind of don't see anymore? Think about it. Uh, what could it be? Any examples? What's something that you see that you actually you, you kind of don't really see anymore? Let's say you need to see something 21 times, then you stop seeing it, eh? something like that. There we go, beautiful mountains and stellias. That brings me to my very first illustration. Thank you, Hannes. This is almost as if we planned that. Can you pop that image up? Um, so there's this mountain that I see every day outside my house from my strip, and um, it's a beautiful mountain. You guys might know it. Um, a picture will come in a moment. Does so anyone recognize that mountain? Simonsberg, yeah, one of the most stunning mountains, in my opinion, in the world. And I see that from my stop every day, but there's often moments where I stand there and I actually just don't see it. Okay, I couldn't see it yesterday because of the insane smoke from the Yonkazik fire, but there's often days that I don't see it, and then I have to, if I stop for a moment, take a breath and look, then I see it again. And it's just absolutely stunning, and we are spoiled with the natural beauty in this place. And then when we go for a drive, when we drive up Halswurchten, I see it from a different angle, from maybe Takara or whatever, and it's just even more stunning. We drive around the back to Boschendal, and you just see it from another angle, and it's, it's just so beautiful. But often, it's become so familiar that I actually sometimes don't even see it. Um, it reminds me of another story. Jen and I lived in Secunda, um, up in Mpumalanga. Has anyone been to Secunda? Hands up. Okay, it's rather underwhelming, so you don't need to go there. Um, all that is incredible about Secunda is that there's an industrial facility there that is insane. It's kind of like Mad Max, if you've ever watched those movies. Anyway, that's about all that's worth going there for. It's not beautiful, let's just say that. So we were up there for a year, and then we came back down to, to, for a family birthday. We flew down, and Jen and I were driving over um, towards Hermanus on the Hohook Pass. Now, I've probably driven to Amarnas more than 200, 300 times in my life. I've driven that thing road so many times because we've got a holiday home in Amarnas. But when we drove it this day, something changed. I was like, literally, Jen and I, we drove over Hope Pass. We're like, oh, it's really gasped because it is so beautiful. We're like, it's almost like we had never seen it before, but now we saw it again. And we're like, this place is stunning, the land of milk and honey. Eh? You know why we came back to Stelly's now, right? That's a joke, uh, <laughs> but maybe partially true. Um, but it's just, we've become familiar. And I really trust as we preach on, and as I preach around communion this morning, the wonder, the beauty, the joy of this gift that Christ has given to his church. This command he's in fact given us to do regularly as we meet together. It would become beautiful again, and there'd be a sense of wonder in our hearts. 
um, and it would be something we really enjoy together this morning. The crazy thing about communion, and I didn't know this until I did some research, is that literally people have died over their position, their understanding of communion. In fact, they've been, they've been killed. Entire movements have been separated. Like There's been scandal and drama century after century until pretty much this century around this thing of communion. It's also known as the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table or Eucharist or Mass or the, ble- the Lord's Blessing uh, in, from Scripture. This is a whole bunch of things that it's called, if you're unfamiliar with the term um, Eucharist. I know growing up, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and then for us it was Mass. Now, the Roman Catholics do believe something a little bit different to us around um, communion, but we can talk about that afterwards if you want to chat. Uh, anyway, so I grew up there. Then I went to an Anglican school, and so then we had Eucharist, um, and we came together and we had Eucharist. That's what they call it. And then I joined a church like this, uh, and we call it many things, none of those two, uh, but the Lord's Supper, communion, and all these good things. Um, and so I'd love to just bring some just a beautiful scripture and just really unpack it today for us and hopefully some of the beauty of what communion is and this thing we get to celebrate as Christians every week would come alive in our hearts again. Um, so we're going to get into, uh, you can open your Bibles if you'd like, it should be on the screen as well. We are in, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. This is written by a gentleman called Paul. He's quite a hero of the faith. In fact, he's an incredible hero of the faith. He lived about approximately 2,000 years ago, um, just kind of just after Jesus died, and he started a whole bunch of churches. In fact, many of the very first churches he started, this was one of them. It was in uh, modern-day Greece. It's called a place called Corinth. And if you know anything about the Corinthians, they were messed up people. Like the stuff that Paul writes about, these oaks were broken. They were doing stuff that you're like, really? And they're Christians? And they're part of the church? What? And uh, even reading Corinthians, it makes me so amped because I'm like, God is a God of the broken. Like he's not for the squeaky clean, right? And um, yeah, if you know your own story, if I know my story, I'm so grateful that he, that he is that. Okay, so some context here. Um, it's quite a long scripture, so you're going to have to just take a breath, uh, co- concentrate for these three minutes, and it'll really be really helpful. Some context to help what we're going to read. The Corinthians are really messing around with communion. They are abusing it. Paul comes and gives teaching. He's like, this is how it's supposed to be, guys. And then there's kind of like, what will happen if you do it properly? Um, so just so you know what's, what's happening in the scripture as we read. It's from 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. 17 to 34 in the New Living Translation, which is just nice and readable and lacquer to follow. So let's go for it. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you, um, so the Jew who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper or communion. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Do you have your own homes? Uh, Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say to you? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. And then he goes into the teaching part. This is what we're really going to focus on today from verse 23 to verse 28. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. So this is not, sometimes Paul will say this is Paul speaking. Yeah, he says this is from Jesus. This is what Jesus says. I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. 
He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's one of our key take-homes for today. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if you would examine yourself, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we're judged by God in this way, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so that you won't bring judgment upon yourself when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Okay, you can breathe out. So that's a really long scripture. Let me give a little summary again for you guys of what's happening there. The Corinthians, like us, are messed up, and they are having a mare when it comes to taking the Lord's Supper. They are looking down on others. They're getting drunk. They are pushing guys aside. They're selfish. Um, they're just doing all sorts of stuff that the Lord's Supper or communion doesn't advocate. It's not what it's about. It's about giving, because it reminds us of the one who gave of himself, not selfishly, but selflessly. And then uh, he basically comes along and gives them some really great teaching about it, and then there's some other stuff at the end there. Uh, now, for the sake of uh, today, I'm going to focus on verse 23 to 28. There's a whole bunch of other context there. If you're keen to chat that through, I'd love to chat straight after the sermon, and it is applicable. And as it is to what we preach today, I'll reference it, but I won't be going into detail of all the context, uh, just, just to, uh, so you know where we're going today. And now, as Paul writes, he's obviously writing to a specific group of people, the, the Corinthians, right? But what he teaches is applicable to all Christians for all time, not only to this group of people. There's some specific contextual things, for sure. But in fact, what he teaches is applicable to us today, and that's what's so cool. So we can look at the scripture, and we can hold on. He's not only speaking to them, but he's also speaking to us. And so maybe there's some of us sitting in the room here, and... When you think of the Lord's Supper or communion, I don't know what thoughts come to mind, but I know for me, there's been a little bit of familiarity, a little bit of kind of a little bit of lexicological, it's just something we do, it's, and it kind of has lost some of its wonder. And uh, I wonder if the Lord's, uh, the scriptures today wouldn't bring some light and some beauty again to us as we dive in. So what we're going to do from the scripture is look at four facets of communion. And I know uh, it always reminds me of the, the word facets when you look at a diamond and it's got all the different cuts, but as you look at it from a different angles and with different light that shines through, it actually becomes almost more and more beautiful as you see it from different angles. And I'm trusting that as we do that today, a similar thing would happen, that this thing of communion would go from um, familiar to beautiful again. 
Uh, just to warn you, if you haven't um, uh, been in one of my sermons before, uh, it is going to be interactive, guaranteed. Um, so be ready to interact. Um, we will be taking communion. Of course, at the end there, there's a few little cups and stuff. And so that'll be an interactive community moment. Uh, but before we do that, can I ask you all to stand up, turn your chairs around and face the back. Okay, I'll ask my friend Tom to stick up a cross on the wall there for us, uh, very purposefully. So the four facets we're going to look at from our, our communion today is looking in different directions. So we're going to look back first. And that's the start of our um, scripture. It says, For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which I've given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with his blood, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And so this is a remembrance moment. As we look back, what things do we remember? Things that have happened in the past. We look back and we see a representation of the cross there. We're looking back 2,000 years ago to one of the most significant moments in history and remembering what happened. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, do this in remembrance of not us, not the church, do this in remembrance of me. And so who is at the center of communion? It's Jesus himself. And so just a little later, we'll come to the introspection moment, but it's not introspection to look at ourselves, it's to look again at him and see this gracious moment that happened 2,000 years ago. When we take communion, it's like a rehearsal of the gospel. We're rehearsing it, we're practicing it. I remember in high school uh, going to watch the, the school play and we'd always get in for free to watch the rehearsals, but they look just like the real thing. And so as we do this, we're rehearsing, we're reminding ourselves of the gospel of Jesus. And, and the beautiful thing as we look back is that Jesus doesn't remain 2,000 years ago in that moment in history. He's present right here with us in the room by his Holy Spirit. And so this is a symbolic remembrance moment, but it's also Jesus with us by his Holy Spirit. He's symbolically present and he is spiritually present with us, which is just beautiful. He commands the church. This is a blessing that Jesus has given to the church. Water baptism and communion, they're called ordinances. He's given them to his church to remind us of who he is and to strengthen our faith week after week, day after day. Verse 26, for every time you eat of this bread and this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. How crazy, guys. When we take communion together, we are preaching to each other. We're announcing, we're literally preaching Jesus to one another, the gospel to one another as we take communion and we remind ourselves of when he will return. Can I ask you guys to stand up again and turn and face the front again? Okay, so we look back at what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Significant, huge. I know for me, often that's where communion ended. That's all I would do is do this in remembrance of me. But there's more. 
And the other one is that we look around. And so I want you to look around. Turn around and look at everyone in the room here. One of the second beautiful facets of communion is that we get to look around at the community that we've been afforded because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've been adopted into a family of God and we get to share this meal together, a family meal together, reminding one another, reminding ourselves of what he's done for us. It is awesome. Sometimes we look around and perhaps you know, we, we don't really want to be in family with one another. You can imagine the Corinthians, right? These oaks were like getting drunk and the other oaks were still hungry outside and they were, it was a nightmare and a mess. There was dissension, selfishness, we believe this, you believe that. It was, it was an absolute mess. Um, as, yeah, as we often experience things, yet he's called us together as one and he empowers us to be family. So there's a look around aspect to taking communion together. Just a little bit earlier, before the scripture we read today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul, the author, writes this. He says, is not, um, is not the cup of thanksgiving, or communion, for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Verse 17. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And so there's a real family aspect here. There's this reminder or this reaffirmation that we are, in fact, brothers and sisters, even though we don't feel it, even though there's tensions among us, even though there's stuff we've got to sort out, we are in fact brothers and sisters in the Lord if we're Christ followers. Uh, someone once shared, I remember when we were taking communion, this was, man, when, when, one, when one Hope was still new gen and we were in Rhenish High School, but someone said, as you come and take communion, as you break that bread, remember how Christ broke himself for us and how he calls us to break ourselves for others, to break and give, to break and give, to break, to give away what we've been given, to give away what we've been given. And we can only do that in this space. If I think of all the one another commands in Scripture, 47 of them, in the, or at least in the New Testament, one another, one another, one another, and we get to do that in family. And so as we look around, we just think, how can we defer to one another? How can we love one another? How can we honor one another? How can we serve one another as Christ has commanded us in Scripture? And so that's the second facet, guys, is uh, the looking around. So it's looking back, looking around, and then looking forward. If we can pop that picture on the screen there. And we've done this verse already, but we're going to look at it again. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Until he comes again. That means that communion is limited. It's only going to happen until Jesus returns again in this kind of way, shape and form, in a symbolic remembrance way because there's a day coming and this is the hope of Christianity. This is the thing we like. Come Lord. If you read in scripture, you'll see the same author Paul. He says, Maranatha, come Lord, come quickly. Come back because he looks forward to that day um, which is written of in the book of Revelation when all who follow Jesus will come together and have this incredible meal together. And the most beautiful thing there, we won't only be remembering Christ, he won't only be with us uh, by his spirit, but we will be with him forever with all his people, rid of all shame and sin and guilt and brokenness. And what was written about these Corinthians will not be true because all that stuff that was going on, all the stuff that's going on here is gone. Perfection, joy, holiness, forever in his presence. And so we get to look forward to that. And we've got this picture of a marriage banquet there. And that's wholly inadequate of what's going to be going down on that last day when Jesus returns. But it's a reminder. We need to look forward to that day. 
And the beautiful thing about looking forward is it gives us hope because if Jesus says we must look forward and remember this day until he comes again, that means that he's going to carry us through to that day. He's going to sustain us to that day. No matter how you're feeling, he's going to carry you, if you're a Christ follower, to that wonderful day that will actually happen. And we will sit with one another if we Christ followers around that table celebrating our Lord Jesus Christ. It is beautiful. So as we take communion today, the bread and the cup, think of ponder on, pray about that wonderful day. It's been a hard year, right? Horrible things have happened, and that day, all, will be, all of that will be gone forever. There's people in this room who are suffering stuff. Stuff is going on, sickness, family stuff. There's been hard things happening this year, and that day, all will be done for forever. It's a beautiful day to look forward to. It's the hope of Christianity. No other faith has this kind of hope. No other religion has this kind of hope. But if you're a Christ follower, you get to enjoy. And the beauty is we didn't even earn it, like Vic was sharing earlier. We didn't even do it. Jesus did it on our behalf. It's beautiful. So that is the third aspect. Then the last one is look within. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I feel like there's been an overemphasis on this particular facet in many churches, and I don't know which churches you've been around, of the kind of self-introspection moment. It's valid and it's important, but it's just one of the facets and aspects of taking communion that we get to do as we share together. Verse 27 and 28. So anyone who eats of this bread uh, or drinks the cup of the Lord and unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Uh, that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Now, of course, these are words that were spoken to the Corinthians, so it's directly addressing their sinful stuff, but I would say it carries through to us because there's stuff in our lives, Right? Stuff going on that we need to bring before the Lord. And so what does it mean to, to partake in the Lord's table in an unworthy manner? Well, it means at least three things. The one is blatant disregard for those around us. Callous disregard for those around us. Looking down upon others. Have you ever been guilty of that? I know I have. Looking down upon others. No, no, no. As Christ follows, we stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. Level. Our status is exactly the same no matter what our past looks like. We stand on level ground. And so there's that. And then there's also the element of, at least from this scripture, of kind of, as I was saying earlier, kind of a familiarity. Uh, we come and we don't really truly, uh, what's the right word, honor or grasp the beauty of the elements, the joy of what is going on here. And so there's a seriousness uh, to taking communion. It's not overly serious because it's also there's a joyfulness that happens, right? I feel like in some communities I've been part of, it's so serious. I mean, it's like if you, uh, let me just leave it there. But not, it's not that serious, okay? It's serious in the sense that we need to be re repent and we need to come before the Lord and know what's going on here and what we're remembering. And that's why only Christians can take communion. Because if you're taking communion and you're not a Christian, what are you doing? You're drinking juice and eating bread, right? <laughs> That's what you're doing. You're not remembering the Lord. You're not entering into fellowship here. You're not looking around and being part of the family. It's like someone once said, what's the difference between um, baptism and going for a swim? You know, and it's faith in the Lord. That's what it is, because you're still in the water. And that's the same with communion. What's the difference between communion and just having a meal? Well, it's faith in the Lord and what he has done. And so we get to do that as a community of faith, which is beautiful. Um, 
And the last one, which particularly applied to that, uh, what does it mean to do it unworthily? They were trying to combine kind of these pagan festival things and within this Lord's table, and it was all a big chamos. And so there's probably other things that apply more specifically to us, but that's what it means to come unworthily. Calloused heart towards others and uh, just flippantly kind of passing by and not just really taking the elements for what they're worth. Okay, and then what does it mean to examine ourselves? Uh, and as we do it, we're going to do it now. We're going to have a moment where we close our eyes. And can I ask you to close your eyes right now? And so what I've always found helpful when taking communion in the self-examination moment is to close my eyes and almost try and see like a, a video or a movie of the past few weeks of my life. And there's some stuff that comes up there. The Holy Spirit illuminates it, makes it obvious to me that that was not okay or that was not a right. And as that stuff comes up and there's this introspection moment, I just say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to forgive others. I lay it before you. Holy Spirit, help me to come and live for you, to live differently. And so that's part of the self-examination moment. That's what it looks like to examine ourselves. Here are the two questions you want to be asking uh, as we take communion in about two minutes. Here are the two questions in terms of self-examination. Am I right with God? And am I right with others? Am I right with God being, do I need to ask him for forgiveness? Do I need to ask his Holy Spirit to come and fill me and cleanse me and lead me? And then am I right with others? What do I need to forgive? What do I need to ask forgiveness for? And again, asking the Holy Spirit to help us with that. So can I ask us all, just uh, as we're going to take communion now, uh, we're going to do it together as a community, um, just to remember those three elements. Look back at what Jesus has done for us. Look around at those he's brought us together with as a family. Look forward to that day when he returns. And we just get this little foretaste, this little taste of that meal that we'll share with him and then look within and come and receive the grace that he gives us through his death and resurrection. Repent and receive the grace and forgiveness that he gives to be able to walk forward in him. Can we all go and grab elements at the back there and then bring them back to your seat and then we'll carry on. So the, there's those little um, cuppies there at the back on the table. I've got one here. Thanks. Hello everybody. Okay, we all got... Awesome. So what are the two qualifications, guys? From all that we've gone through, there's so much beauty to the things, but what qualifies you to share in this meal with us as a community now? First one is being a repentant follower of Jesus. If you're not, this is not for you. Secondly, uh, the second qualification is that we have a repentant heart attitude. And the scriptures are clear on that. We need to come to the table with our hearts and our attitude of not callousness or brokenness. And just really feel, Paula was sharing now, a specific thing around in this community. If there's any relational tension, and even beyond this community, stuff where guys have wronged you, knived you, maybe it's some family stuff. As you come to this table, to repent for where you have wronged and to ask for forgiveness where you have wronged the Lord, before you come and you take at the table. There's a few stories that we can think of where stuff's gone down and it's been hard for guys to come to commu together in community and take this together as family because they're offended, they're hurt. And that's probably some of us in the room here this morning. And so if that is you and, and, and the Spirit is really prodding something, I want to ask you to just, under your breath, 
Just lay that stuff down before God. God, I know this is an issue. I give it to you. Forgive me. Help me to forgive others by your spirit. Okay. So those are the two qualifications. What I'm going to ask us to do before we take communion is to get in groups of kind of threes and fours. Uh, would be really nice, or maybe a little bit bigger than that, so we can actually take it as a community in smaller groups. So you can turn your chairs if you want to. Um. Okay, awesome, guys. Um, just a little heads up of what we're going to do now. We're going to take communion together and just together pray together in your groups, uh, reminded of looking back, looking around, looking forward, looking within. And um, after that, we are going to sing a song together. And there's just this beautiful scripture in Matthew where Jesus inaugurates this communion meal with his disciples. And what they do just as they stand up and leave, they sing a hymn together, they sing a song together. And it's just beautiful. If you guys would just bear with me for a moment, I really, um, I know I've spoken a lot and you're just desperate to take this meal, we will in a moment, but I just really feel that um, specifically maybe if you're here this morning or if you're online and you're not a Christ follower, and I just said earlier, if you're not a Christ follower, this meal's not for you. I want to say very clearly and very openly that this meal is for you if you will come to Christ and the invitation is open. When we look back and we saw his death and resurrection, it was for you. It was for us. And so I'm just quickly going to pray a prayer um, for anyone who's in the room here. If that is you and you want to come to Christ this morning and then be able to celebrate by taking the cup, the the juice and the bread with us as a family. I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And um, if that's you and you want to come to Christ, you want to become a follower of Jesus today, you pray this prayer along with me just under your breath. Jesus, I'm sorry uh, for going my own way, for living my own life, for trying to make myself the king of my life. Please, would you forgive me? Thank you for your death and resurrection on my behalf so that I can become friends with God again, that I can be made right with God again. Thank you that you will sustain me and keep me and lead me every day until that final day when I get to share that wonderful meal with you that we've been talking about today. Thank you for your love for me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you and you prayed that prayer, you are so welcome to come and share this meal now together with us whether you're at home or here so in your groups guys why don't you take three or four minutes to just pray somebody facilitate pray a few prayers take the cup and then we're going to close with a song you are the lord the lord almighty king of the universe 
and lover of our soul. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection. We come together and we celebrate communion today as we have in remembrance of you, Jesus. Symbolically present and spiritually present here by your Holy Spirit. What a joy it is to be your sons and daughters, your children in the house this morning. We love you, God. We love you, Father. We praise you. Your praise may it ever be on our lips, God. I pray as we go now, Lord Jesus, we wouldn't kind of just drift off into our normal rhythms, but we would go in remembrance of you, that remembrance of you would be ever foremost in our hearts and minds as we head into the week this week, Lord Jesus. In your wonderful and glorious name, amen.